Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And as always, boxing, <laughs> plenty's happened over the weekend. A couple of blowout results, a couple of teams' finals hopes probably very much in doubt now. We're looking like the top eight is almost settled, barring an absolute miracle from a few teams on the run home. More injuries and the Broncos saga just continued and somewhat today uh, actually had some questions and some answers finally resolved with the coaching situation. It looks that way, yeah. Crazy weekend, but we've got plenty to chew tonight, so yep. let's rip in. No doubt about it. Before I touch on the Broncos thing, tackle one in our set of six. And for anyone joining us for the first time, welcome to the fifth and last in our old podcast. Set of six is six topics, questions, opinions, uh, or anything we want to talk about to start off. And tackle one, uh, a rule change I want to go to first before we get into the Broncos thing, because I'm sure everyone's heard plenty and we've got plenty to digest. But uh, that rule change was the crusher tackle. And for Mm. me, there's been a lot of changes this year. There was a lot of changes heading into the season, a couple of rules. Then we made big changes coming out of COVID. Uh, This one for me now, just before the finals, the timing's just poor. I don't agree with it. The base charge is now 200 points. So if you've had any priors, basically you are guaranteed two weeks minimum. And if you fight it, three weeks. Whereas if you're a first-time charge and you play guilty, you'll still get one week. 350 for a grade two, 500 for a grade three, and we've already seen inconsistency on the weekend. And, and again, this one, people keep blaming the defender or the defender shouldn't drop in or that. Like there's, there's too many that are just innocuous and accidents and guys backing into tackles or turning at the last minute. Way too many of these are just accidents in a high-speed game for me to be making a rule change at this point in the season where I already know where we're heading, which is the thing that worries me which is a prelim final or a week two game for a team that wins through and somebody gets two weeks and potentially misses a grand final or a prelim. I love the fact we're trying to protect the players. And I I say protect the blatant ones, like Will Chambers on Jared Hayne last year. Or I think Mitch Barnett hooked somebody up and had that full-blown double underhook, like, you know, body slam. But like Cooper Johns the other night with a little bit of contact, the Vaughan one, you know, kind of rolls like Christ almighty. I think it's fairly easy to understand when it's deliberate and when it's not. Like yeah. if you've got control of the tackle and then you place someone in that position and you uh, exert yeah. force on their neck deliberately, then that's that's a crusher. That's what we're trying to eliminate. But when you have either the momentum of the tackle that rolls that sort of way innocuously or like you said before, the player rolls around and backs into the tackle. Like it's, it's all too it's, fast. It, like there's only one way that tackle's really going to come down and the defender can't do anything to sort of alleviate his position, 
the only thing that they can sort of do, and a lot of players are trying to do it, and we see a lot of players back into tackles and they don't have pressure put on the neck because the players, the defending player allows him to come down and not have that pressure. But there are going to be ones, uh, like it or not, where it just goes wrong and it is an accident. Mm. As far as while ever we're allowing so many players in the tackle, while ever we're, we've got this um, philosophy in the game that you know it's effective to hold tackles up and then to blade when you've got three defenders in, you're going to have a lot of bodies around the ball and a lot of bodies around the attacking player as he comes to ground. So, And you, you know yourself, like the philosophy defensively is to eliminate space mm. and to squeeze. So you so have to stay in tight when you, they're trying to get that separation. Yeah, like there's, it's, it's difficult for players that are tackling that way to then, as, a, as the tackle falls and the tackle goes to ground, for them to then release that pressure and allow the head to, uh, I guess, fall safely to the ground. But I think 95 99% of the time we're sort of they're getting it right yeah the, um, like you're absolutely and blatant it's just ones. the deliberate ones yeah hammer mate I, i'd be happy for him to say that if, if it's proven that you've done it deliberately yeah you get four weeks straight away and or like i said just bad technique which is no excuse like vete i thought was lucky to get I, off i just i have i have an issue in my mind trying to justify how we penalize and suspend players for accidents mm. and the other one again i know I'm not making the claim on the Melbourne side of things when they Craig Bellamy obviously wasn't happy the other night, Brad Arthur, but there are guys in, in the competition that but exacerbate. I don't think it was so much about the, the crusher nah, table. it's more just it the was milking. staying down, yeah. yeah. And I'm about to say, Nathan Brown, he had a couple of weeks ago with Sean Bloor. Then he jumped up one to take the, like, the tap straight away. It's like, mate, you've just feigned a neck injury. Yeah, you've got form. And then two seconds later, you want to run. And Mike Acevo, we brought up last week more about the yardage and any sort of contact. And then the Cooper Johns thing, like, yeah, there was a bit of a bump on the back of the head, but like, you know, I, I didn't think. And, I, you know, I can't put myself in that situation. It wasn't my neck, but, like, dear Well, Lord. I think, just go and look at Gordon Tallis's comments. And it was funny because we spoke about Sevo last week. Well, we've mentioned a few times about his yardage. But, yeah, the, as far as the injuries or, you know, struggling with contact. I think Gordon Tallis said he'd stay down if Minnie Mouse tuckled him in yardage. Yeah, basically. So, <laughs> um, Good on you, Gordy. Yeah, I think the prime example is one you brought up before, though. The Vaughan one, can of bumps, and your job as the runner is to try and find your front. So as soon as you got that little bit of separation, he's instantly yeah. dropping for the ground. Vaughan hasn't completely lost contact with him, but he's got separation with the initial contact. Tries to pull back in as he's falling, and just that last-minute roll, yeah. you get a bit of pressure on the neck. And that you was look an at, accident. You look at one like that and go, like, really? You deserve two weeks for that? And if you go fight it, you're up for three weeks. Yeah. And there's no downgrade because any charge prior, even if it, it wasn't a crusher, like you've already got loading, so you're gone for two weeks. And it does worry me coming to the finals that if one of these comes under the spotlight and somebody does want to stay down and get a penalty, and we know players take advantage of those situations, and you know it's within the rules of the game, unfortunately, and people sometimes do do it. But I just think we're getting into real dangerous territory where the last couple of years we've had some controversial things under different circumstances, but this one, I think we're playing a real dangerous game. I agree with the crush attack. I really do. But um, yeah, your Barnett situations. You near Corey one the other night where Eisenhuth got straight back up. Like those ones are blatant. You know they're going to get charged. There's no excuse for poor technique or just you know power bombing someone. Yeah. You know near Corey, I'm sure didn't have that intention, but it was a poor technique tackle. The position he got himself in in Jackknife on top. You know he's not that. Well, he kind... didn't get penalised for breaking Smith's jaw. Nah, but he's not that <clears> kind <throat> of player. But it, that that's just poor technique. There's no excuse for it. You know you can't do it. I think <clears throat> the Bellamy. Um... The reaction and how frustrated he was, a lot of it was about the Brandon Smith incident, in my opinion. He's probably thinking, well, we've had all these crush tackles, but I've got a player in here who's got a broken jaw, mm. 
And there wasn't even a penalty for it. But he wasn't charged afterwards either. No. But Nelson got binned, and I think he got a grade one careless. Yeah, I think, like, well, if yeah. that's a grade one careless, surely the other one's minimum grade one careless on Ridiculous. review. Ridiculous. They, they argued that there was no swing of the arm. It's like, well, it's Forget contact the swing with the head. Of the, arm. the shoulder to the face thing we said the other year that if you missed your target, you missed your target. Yeah. And we generally exacerbated things when it came to an injury occurring as a result of the tackle. So the inconsistency, as we said again, is the thing that really worries us about the judiciary. So, uh, And match review. Fingers crossed we don't have anything pop up in the finals that you know has, has a real dire effect on a side's We're chance. probably going to. But uh, this, is, this is a rule change that's genuinely got me worried right now. Tackle two, as we move on, a rule change that I do agree with is the possible talk about changes with the contract situation. We spoke about it before plenty of times. Players sign a deal or their manager does a long-term deal or a short-term deal. They don't get the money they're looking for. They play well above their pay grade or their fringe reps or they make reps and all of a sudden they're agitating for a pay rise or to get out of their club. We've seen the Madison situation. We don't know the full circumstances around it, but he's definitely got a hefty pay rise. You've got Addo Carr now, which part of it is family and Sydney, but the other part is once he became a rep player, obviously got the inkling of what other wingers were getting or other rep players were getting. Mm-hmm. He's looking to come back to Sydney, claim a, a spot as a fullback rather than a winger and get top dollar and agitating, but they're looking now to finally put a kibosh on players agitating to get out of clubs that if you do want to go in a, a la Brian Madison situation, <laughs> you go on the same contract. Yeah, so if it's... you're not happy where you are and you do want to move to another club, do you really want to get out of the club for the right reasons or are you just trying to move because of money? Yeah. So I don't mind it on that side of things. It puts a bit of accountability back on players and managers to consider probably more carefully the deal you're taking. Yeah. If, if you think within the next 12 months you're capable of going to you know said club and being a rep caliber player, are you going to get those opportunities? Don't sign a three-year deal. The right? ones where they're trying to get a bump up, it it just tells you that the the deal that they did to start with wasn't structured correctly. Well, we had Semi Rad Rara, who came here with absolutely like if, nothing. If it's like, well, I become a rep player and I yeah. need to get more money elsewhere, it's like, well, you should have, um, you know, th- reactions and um, clauses yeah. in your contract that. So you give manager you bonuses. To do a better job. Yeah, you be- that's what I'm saying. That's what you pay them for. The manager should be doing a much better job and the contract should be structured better. Mm. And the players should be smarter as well. Know your yeah. worth, know what your future looks like and when you're making those sort of moves and have a bit more control and say in the situation rather than signing with some mock who you've met down at the park and you stick with him and you go, yeah, I'll let my manager do the talking, but 12 months later you're unhappy with him. Mm. And we see situations a lot more often now where players are unhappy with their managers or want to get out of a management agreement or try and freeze them out of the situation. So there's accountability that needs to be put back on the players and the player managers to do a better job. But I also understand the other side. A few players have already said as long as it goes both ways because you still see clubs obviously trying to push players to get out, et cetera, et cetera. But as we know, at the end of the day, Brisbane right now, for example, may not be happy with Anthony Milford. They can't just sack him or they can't just tell him to leave. Agree. He's got a contract. He's <laughs> locked in. Yeah. So I just think... A little more onus on both sides when they go to the negotiating <clears throat> table from now on, especially if you think you've got a decent ceiling. Have more incentives or have a more frank discussion with your own club if you're looking for an upgrade before you just start putting rumours out there that you're unhappy and you want to move on. It's generally not the way to handle things. No, I agree. So <clears throat> I really like that one. I'm sure a lot of fans, including what like we said more recently, the Tigers fans are really disappointed. Others have been previously that there's potentially going to be some actual binding nature to a contract for which is a good thing. Tackle three. Uh, we'll jump into it now. We'll get into the Broncos thing after addressing those two rule changes. It's finally all come to a head. 
there's been plenty of talk. We've been hearing about the troll situation, the slander and all the bits and pieces that have been dealt with by Seabold and uh, the Brisbane Broncos and all, a lot of off-field stuff. Happened to break the bubble, been away for two weeks, Pungai Junior situation, etc., 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 and what the future was for Anthony Seabold. And we spoke about it, and a lot of people were going, just let him go or he should resign or he should be fired, all these you know, different reactions. My thought was still... You have no idea who's going to be in control of this club moving forward. We don't know who the CEO is. We don't know who's going to be on the board. Is that the only problem? Is it systemic? Does it does it go higher? Is it throughout the club? I think there's multiple problems in the club, not just the coach. He's not free of blame for sure. He's definitely part to blame, but there's a lot more problems at the Broncos than just the coach. And I thought, to Ivan's point, when he said if he was getting the job, he'd be doing a review top to toe first before he made any decisions, but more than likely, you know, it looked that maybe his position was going to be untenable. Yeah, the but position's untenable, no doubt. Cause now it's definitely a- untenable because shareholders have got involved and in particular, I didn't see the bloke's name last night, but basically compared Anthony Seabold to cancer. Yeah, it was a dickhead. And I think... It's a dumb comment and he hasn't made a comment all year, so he should just shut his bucket. I think that just sums up Brisbane as a whole right now, though. Yeah. As we've said before, every problem, everyone's just every man for himself. I, I Seabold was hated before he even got to Brisbane. Mm. Because Kevin Walters didn't get the job. So now they've won. And Kevin Walters is going to get the job more than likely. So now you've, you've got your way, Brisbane fans. and Well, not so much Brisbane fans, but more so the, the media, the, the ex-players, uh, and, you know, those, those political factions that have been manoeuvring and trying to undermine Seabold for as long as he's been there. Um, Seabold hasn't done a great job. He hasn't handled a few different... Elements, particularly the media and criticism, and yeah, you know the fallout, the yeah, all, all that stuff. He didn't handle that well. No, um, but look, he would have been able to overcome that if the side was winning games. And when you look at their roster, I would say that ninety percent of that roster he didn't sign. No, well, the only big real criticism you can make, <laughs> or the only thing he did this off season, was get Brody Croft. Which you know, I and who, who are the players we're criticising for form? Milford, Boyd, Wayne Bennett, Oates, Wayne Bennett. Uh, McCulloch, who, Wayne who was let walk, let walk. Jack Bird. Jack Bird. Bennett. And didn't I know, even play a game for Seabold, I don't think. A lot of them are saying now, well, he re-signed Lodge or this, that, and the other. They've got a retention committee, so he's not solely responsible for who they re-sign. Like, they're all putting that just on him as well. This board has had a big part to play the Lodge, the Lodge re-signing is not a bad re-sign. Nah, and again, with the rule changes, obviously, I think they'd have a different opinion now if they would have known pre-season. And I get everyone blowing up saying, how did they not sort out and the look- feeder situation? But again, everything... From Bennett laid the gets- seed for this before he left with those, you know, the splits with the board, the old barbecue at Paul White's house where he said, well, Bennett had one on the same day and essentially made the players choose between the club hierarchy and the outgoing coach. Uh, the, the fact that they swapped when they did was always just going to make it an absolute shit fight. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's, it's a really hard situation. We, we're still not at the bottom of what the Seabold issues are. Personally, whether there is someone who has leaked this information or um, contrived some of these stories and made them up, I don't think we'll hear anything now. Because I, I think we will. I, I, I still I think, think they're, they're going to work it out. Wanted yeah, to get it's themselves not, away from this. It's not Brisbane's. It's not Brisbane's responsibility. It's not Brisbane's choice. Seabold, once he finds out, could throw whoever it is under the bus, and I, I hope he does. I hope he names and shames whoever's contrived these stories if they are false. Um, but, you know, that that's sort of been the, for the final straw. 
what's what's really surprised me is that they started to negotiate this so late in his they've time known. in the bubble. Like they've known for ages. Yeah, I, I don't know whether whether there is a lot more going on privately than than what meets the eye. Again, it's just really hard to make a comment. Well, the only real insight. Um, and but I look, gave it I to think you. I think it'd be good for Seabold just to get out of there because it was clear that. You know, the, the, it was only four or five weeks ago that Paul White came out and said, we're backing the coach. Well, Paul White, other board members, Darren Lockyer, even Carl the Pungo Junior well. situation, they're all over the place. So I think the bigger thing here for Brisbane fans is I'm, I'm pretty sure, similar deal, surely by now you've worked out it's not just a coach. I'd be there's, really there's disappointed. There's a lot that needs to change at Brisbane um, right now that a lot of people didn't see and it's unfolded in the last 18 months. But there's a lot of problems at Brisbane that need to be resolved bigger than just Seabold. Yeah, I'd be... If I'm um, Seabold sitting at home tonight, I'm disappointed that the hierarchy didn't support me as much as they could, but I'm gutted that my players didn't publicly support me. Even up until last night, Darius Boyd went on 100% footy and yeah, sort yeah. of said... Kevin oh, basically, you know, yeah. mine and sort of rap. Yeah, like... It's just the height of disrespect for some of the players, for coaches, and for their employment and their profession and the lack of respect that they show is... I think it's pretty poor, really, really poor. So, you know, Pangai Jr. again didn't really um, endorse Seabold in his interview with Hooper on Friday night, which was embarrassing. Like that, that interview itself was embarrassing. But uh, that was an absolute shame. You know, there, there's been multiple players, and and Boyd, you know, came out when he when he got moved back to fullback and said, "Well, you should have you should ask the coach. That's why I haven't been playing fullback," and essentially just threw it back on. Seabold. So the players haven't even alleviated any of the pressure, A, through their on-field performance, but B, through their public comments. Well, again, they've just hired the fact we said beforehand, before he even got there, which I don't think he knew he was walking into, was a split group. And I've said as much the last few weeks. I know a few people that actually are inside that bubble are lucky to, and the insight they've given is basically it's every man for himself. There's a lot of old guys there, pre-Bennett, that were already pretty much checked out. And then when Bennett gone, they signed out regardless of who the coach was for their last few years. And we mm. saw that with Pokegate last year at the back end of the finals. There's young guys that already think they're rep players that aren't doing enough and they're going quite poorly right now that have big opinions of themselves. And then there's, you know, it, it, they're, they were, they're split in more ways than one. They're split in the playing group. They're split at the board level. They're split all the way throughout the club. Yeah, good luck. Good luck, Brisbane. All I can say is... Have, are you going to have Kevy Walters now? And it's going to be the old boys, and it's going to be jobs for the boys. And well, that's the big thing, Kevy mm, Walters. Good luck. And they've already all hinted at it in the media. You know, you know they want an experienced coach. Kevy to... Walters has never coached an NRL game in his life. No, nah, and they said again that Seabold didn't have the experience. Well, it's like, well, he's done pretty yeah. much the same thing. He's had assistance jobs. He's than, done twenties um... jobs. So if you want to compare, you know, resumes and say he wasn't ready, what makes you think that Kevin Walters is so ready to take this job? Yeah, good luck. He got stressed out from three games of State of Origin. Yeah. And we said a few times, didn't handle things probably the best way in that. But, but he's an old boy. Probably the big thing that worries me, and again, I hope he does well, and I'm sure he will tick a lot of the boxes that a lot of people have criticised Seabold for, for being too smart and not of the Broncos' way and not knowing the way of the club, and he'll let the old boys back in and have the barbecues and be able to bring a smile and you know galvanise, hopefully, everybody. But if, if that playing group is as selfish as it is and it's not going to be an overnight fix and they don't make the right moves, that problem's not going to be resolved. And number two, and the bigger part, is the comment from the media in a roundabout way saying basically that he needs good assistance around him because he maybe isn't the best coach, is he needs to surround himself with the right people. They keep bringing that up. The experienced head coaches, they're talking about Kearney, 
Neil Henrys. They even threw up Flanagan and a bunch of other people tonight. They're basically saying that he needs to make sure he's got a good coaching team around him. Mm. So why I think Seabold obviously got exposed in the end and probably didn't have the best team around him. Possibly he went in there thinking from what he'd done at Souths and what he'd done previously that he didn't need as much help. Clearly he did need more help. Yeah. But I think for this side of things, Kevy's probably got a little more favour with some of those players already. Yep. Sure, but he needs the right staff around him and the moves they make probably the next 12 to 18 months are critical. Agree. It's definitely not an overnight fix. A lot of those bad contracts we're talking about that weren't made by Seabold, Boyd's retiring end of the season. McCulloch's got a year to go. They loaned him out in the hope he'd be taken. Given the injury he had, I don't think anyone's going to take that deal now. No. Jack Bird is not Seabold's deal. It was another Bennett bomb. That's got another 12 months to go. Dragons, Dogs linked for half price. Again, does one of them take up that deal? I don't know. Milford took his option. Not his deal. We're, we're talking three, three and a half million dollars worth right there. And then the other ones, whether he was part of the mutual decision for it, there's a couple that they'd be questioning right now. And one of those is Pangai, who they're looking to get out of. Yeah. So there's some real big things on, on the cards. And I'm already a little bit worried when you're hearing blokes like Justin Hodges saying, I want to be an assistant. And we've had Corey Parker who was part of the club, just hammering the club and slamming the coach and all the players who'd probably be looking for a job. There'll be a lot of people looking to, to work their way back in here right now. So all I can say is what we've just said then. If I'm Kevin Walters, good luck. you've got all the old boys that have beaten the walls down for you, but I don't think I'd be hiring some of those guys to be my assistant coaches or part of the staff. Because mm, the roster isn't changing too much. Have them around the club. And that roster, don't go and blame Seabold for the roster. Mm. Have them around the club if you want. That's old Wayne Uncle Benny's roster. Yeah, he need, yeah and then the current... Board, he'd probably be part of their attention. But again, Paul White, Carl Morris himself, Darren Lockyer made the moves to extend some of these young guys. So he's not solely to blame. And I think a lot of those guys will end up losing their jobs as well. Mm. So I think the more interesting move next is the CEO. Is it Ben Eichen? Who else is it? Does the board get a clean out? Do we see more staff go? Do they push, like I said, a few of those bad contracts and try to get clubs to take up those offers? I'm not too sure, but... There's a big job to be done, but the most interesting point for me is if it is Kevin Walters, is who's the staff that he but brings in. But uh, why can they identify that now and help Seabold get that done? Why do they have to sack him and then do it? Yeah, again, bring if, it up. If that's the issue. Bring it up that it's untenable, uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And the other person we probably haven't mentioned because by the sounds of what all the old boys have said the last few days, we think it's a fait accompli that he's got the job as Paul Green was linked to the job and... Some have already said, oh, he wouldn't be the right person. I'm like, well, he's still an old boy. He's won a premiership. He's got a much better resume at this point in time and showed what he can do, but they're saying he's too abrasive. Well, if you've got a group Look, that can't the, take the criticism... The fact of the matter is, the reason why Seabold was hated so much is because all the Broncos' old boys just felt like Kevin Walters was going to get the job, and he didn't. So they've just agitated and agitated, stab, stab, stab. Now he's got the job, or he's going to get the job. So be careful what you wish for. You got it now. So let's see how it goes. Because I know who's a better coach in terms of intellect um, and coaching ability, who's more liked um, and who may fit Brisbane better, probably Kevin Walters. Mm. So it it depends what you want. Do you want someone who's going to be vanilla and fit in and not cause waves and, you know, you might not get um, as high a level of coaching? Uh, or do you want yeah. someone who is a professional and you're, you're in there, you've hired the best person for the job? So I, I think Brisbane hired the best person for the job from a pers- professional perspective. Um, 
And now they're probably going the other way. They're, they're hiring the best fit for the club. Mm. They're taking the Ricky Stewart, Canberra Raiders yeah. kind of move or, you know, when we've seen players go back to clubs yeah. and try to fit the situation, try and fit the culture and more so, like you said, appease the group and, and work in it that way, mm. maybe to see if they can get the right results or, yeah. But I, you, you think Paul Green's got any chance from everything we've heard the last 24, 48 hours? Well, we, I... They should be going through a process. They shouldn't it's, just be giving Kerry Walters a job. It seems highly unlikely from everything that's coming out that he's getting you're, a look in. You're so. one of the biggest organisations in Australia. So, oh, I don't know. I, I'm not there, but I'd be shocked if they didn't go through a huge um, a huge process. Mm. It's a very, very important decision. But I, I dare say if you went through a professional process and you, um, I guess hired the best person for the job or the best interview, the best professional, the most articulate um, and intelligent, it may not be Kevin Walters that wins out in that process. So if that's the case, then you just appoint him. Mm. If that's who you want, if that's who they want to coach the Broncos, just appoint him. Yeah. But if they want the best person for the job, go through a process. Yeah. Well, the drama doesn't stop there. Like you said, that interview, uh, for anyone that saw it, the Pungai Junior Saga, uh, biggest load of bullshit I've ever seen, no doubt. Orchestrated by himself and his manager and a bit of a PR setup and set questions and hoops admitted as much a couple of days later on Triple M that basically beforehand that, you know, it was all structured set up. And I, I put well, it simply this way. I hear all these other people go, has he changed? Is he changing? Is there real intent there? Darren Lockyer support him. He really wants to be a Bronco. I'll just circle that up and... Put a nice bow on it for you. It's all fucking bullshit. He really wants to be a Bronco. However, he can't get a contract anywhere. He rung He rung Nick Pilatus. Trent Robinson put the biggest stamp out there for everyone, basically saying he doesn't fit the mould and he's not someone we want in our club. And I'm sure they've shaken... <laughs> Trent Robinson cost him 200 grand. Man, they would have shaken all the trees in the background and I'm sure any offer that he would have got, even if it was to be somebody like a Melbourne who would take a chance on a bad boy, would be half as much money and he was going to get his ass whipped in the line. So yeah. he's probably sat there thought about what he's done, and I'll tell you why he's feeling bad and he's doing the PR gig, because he's got almost $700,000 a season left for a couple of years up in Brisbane, and it's not going to get any better than that because he's fucked up a few times. Yeah. So he's on the back pedal real quick and trying to look good. And then the next thing, he throws out that third-party bomb, and he might be throwing the, the, the Broncos in the blender in that situation if that doesn't pan out. So <laughs> Tavita just keeps throwing rocks at windows at Brisbane every time he thinks he's fixing the problem. He's making it worse for himself. Mm. And on that... We've talked about it before and dealings and whatnot. I hope that if there is something legitimately wrong with it, regardless of the fact that he's brought it to public light, that the Broncos get came for it because this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. I agree. We've yeah. talked about it multiple times before that whether people like it or not, there's some third parties that are legit. There's some that... Get rid of third parties. Yeah, are not legitimate. Paul White has claimed today, and again, this is all allegations at the moment, that it is a legitimate one and it's registered. They've said that some of the club don't know about it, so we're going to find out, but... If it is exposed to not be legitimate, this uh, year for the Broncos and just everything would be continuing to get worse. From the coaching situation, the players, the injuries, the off-field, just the hits just keep on coming. Mm. But for now, five weeks to go. Peter Gentle likely sees the season out. Hopefully, I'm with you. They go through a process. It's basically a two-horse race. Either way, um, they need to make sure they have the right decision. If it's Paul Green, I think right away he's got a better grasp of how to run a club, about recruitment, retention, coaching, what he's looking for, structures, etc. If it's Kevin Walters, 
the old boys thing if he's going to surround himself with Hodges and guys that are inexperienced coaches who have done one under 20s rep Queensland game and think they can coach. Mm. I think you're playing with fire. Good luck. So if he does get that position, as mentioned, some of those XNRL coaches, surround yourself with the right people. Don't feel the need to be out of pressure because, you know, people that were beating the drum for you suddenly come knocking on the door right now. If he gets that job and he's had a really, really good, like we said, kind of apprenticeship and he's done the Queensland job and he's been with Brisbane previous and Bennett and Bellamy, if he's taken anything out of that, I'm sure it will be to make sure that he surrounds himself with people that are his best interests at heart and people that are going to maximise him as a coach. Because if he brings the old boys and just gives jobs, I think we could have trouble again. Yeah, see how it plays out. There you go, the Brisbane saga. Hopefully, uh, with this press conference tomorrow and whatever the payout figure is, who knows, people were reporting it was a million dollars. Could end up being more um, that they come to, but it's all over. So, move on. on. Tackle four, the coaching circus while we're still on it. Cowboys, Dragons jobs, the two that are up for grabs still. And progress on that one. The Cowboys apparently down to a handful of candidates now. They've done their second round of interviews. Todd Payton still heavily favoured, but two other names thrown into the mix now that weren't so much mentioned to start with. John Cartwright, who was previously an assistant there, is starting to be mentioned that he's in the mix for the job. And the other one, Sean Wayne, who interviewed very well for the Warriors job. He threw his hat in the ring for the Dragons set up and multiple other jobs, and he hasn't really got a bit of a look in, but um, the former Wigan coach, who won a couple of competitions, now the international coach, I'm pretty sure, is said to have impressed the, the Warriors and the Cowboys are quite impressed as well. You've got a better idea than I do about Sean Wayne. I, I always found him to be pretty straight, <laughs> pretty straight down the line when I watched him speak at Wigan. But a uh, good coach, I think so. He's articulate. Um, he's left England. He was very big on English <laughs> players. Does know. a lot of speaking. Um, very big on leadership. I think he'd just be a breath of fresh air, a different uh, sort of operator to Paul Green, and you know. He's certainly proved his wares in the UK. Mm. Uh, you know, won as many comps as your, or has a good as good a resume as your Robinsons and your Maguires and those types who have had a lot of success over in the Super League and then had success in the NRL. So, yep. I, yeah, you could do worse than um, Sean Wayne. I'd certainly give Sean Wayne a crack before For I give Cartwright. John Cartwright. Yeah, yeah. I think Cartwright's done a good job as an assistant. They've said. Maybe they need a bit of a change up in style of personality and someone who's a little more laid back. I think for the stage of development they're at and some of the kids they've got coming through right now, they need a really strong coach. And I know not abrasive or to the extent that people are saying Paul Green was pretty extreme and Neil Henry, uh, you know, was it was a bit that way. But I think you need a bit of balance. I think Cartwright's too far the other way. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think someone like Todd Payton showed at the Warriors that not only. You know, is he pretty blunt and straight down the line? And obviously, he's done a hell of an apprenticeship. But during this time in the bubble, I think it's been proved that they're playing for him. There's a lot of chat that he's really, really good with the players because he's been a player himself and understands, you know, the emotion of them being away from their families or when someone needs a hug or when someone needs a kick up the ass. So uh, if you're taking out what you're hearing up there, I think it'd more likely still be Peyton's job to lose or Sean Wayne with a bit of a surprise push late. Mm. On the Dragon side, you know, last few days, some candidates got thrown out. David Ferner, another one who was a head coach eons ago, who's also been to the Cowboys, now at Newcastle, spent some time at Souths. He was thrown up for that job. Anthony Griffin, who was mentioned for the Cowboys, also now seemingly yesterday was named almost the favourite for the Dragon situation. Fitzgibbon seems almost all but out of the loop. He basically 
uh, happy where he is, and I can't really blame him if the circumstances weren't going to change. And two other names that's thrown out there, and I, I don't bind either. They mentioned Kevin Walters as well. I don't think they'd look at Kevin Walters. They're they're, they're big on internal and ex players, and maybe one or two other guys. But the other one was Laurie Daly. I Laurie. couldn't believe. Then that got thrown out there. I was like, this surely is just Laurie. When's the last time besides Origin? I like, would love to coach the Dragons. I was like, Laurie was an assistant or some sort of. Consultant back in the day, I'm pretty sure, for the Dragons, but I don't know the last he time. He was. It was a long time ago. So was. when was he last involved in Clubland? Is he... I reckon it was early 2010s, yeah. So, yeah, I just thought that one was bogus, but the more likely one, Dean Young, uh, you know, throwing his hat in the ring heavily. thought he spoke pretty well when I seen him on 360 the other night. All the best intentions, but I think it's been proven every time they go young... Uh, and internal, it hasn't worked out. The only mm. success they've had over the last few coaches has been with an external coach and Wayne Bennett. Wayne. The big upside is Dean Young has basically said, regardless, he's there to support whoever comes in. He just wants to be a part of the club. So if he's a good, loyal assistant and does a good job, he'll probably be there for the next coach. Flanagan, um, unlikely to be registered. That deal, a lot of people said, was going to be for the two years. Had an option to basically bail out after 12 months. I'd see that if they get another coach, he's not going to be there. No. And as we said last week, if Young gets the job, I don't know if Flanagan hangs around. And if he does, you'd want to know that it's with best intentions, not sharpening the knives for potentially 12 months' time. Uh, the other assistant, James Shepard. But, yeah, Griffin being linked to the job. The other thing a lot of people brought up is apparently they work together at Tonga. So, in particular, Young, I think, has wraps on him and definitely thinks he could work with him if Anthony Griffin got the job. So, if he is the favourite, do you think that's a good idea for the Dragons? No. You think he can bring something that they don't have there now? Could he help junior development, which is something I guess a lot of people bring up. They need more players coming through. They they seem to be getting players from the Steelers side. We played a good Steelers side this year. There was yeah. a premiership winning side last year that they've just extended two players today. The Fagai twins who played New South Wales 18s and Australian schoolboys. They're a centre winger. Cody Ramsey, the young fullback, looks half decent. Jaden Sullivan, the half. I think the biggest problem we brought up is a lot of what they're having success with is positions they don't really need right now. Um, but mind you, the way Corey Norman's going, I think he's got 12 months left or maybe a little bit longer. Like Sullivan might be getting a look in sooner rather than later if things keep going the way they are. But uh, the Dragon side hasn't really been punching out a lot as of lately or hasn't been as successful mm. on the junior front. Um, I don't know. Just Can he fix that up? Can he fix this group? Can he do something? With it? What, what, who would you think would be... The higher right now, would you stick with Young for twelve months? Yeah, I'd probably would go with Young. Push really hard for Fitzgibbon. You're not going to get Fitzgibbon. You go twelve months with Young. You're not going to go Flanagan. Uh, so again, I'd go a process. Either you want Dean Young, yes or no, hire him. If you don't want Dean Young or you're not completely convinced, go through a process. Don't just go and cherry pick and doodle around. You want people to apply for the job. They want the job. Get them to come in and give you a vision and a plan of what they want to do with the club. I just think all these clubs that are so quick to suck coaches who then don't really have a plan in mind of who's going to take over. Mm. It's just stupid. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. They've got bigger problems than just the coach. I know a lot of the fans weren't a big fan of Mary. But but why get rid of Mary now? Like if they can give, give Dean Young... Six weeks of essentially Mary's team, Mary's processes, Mary's structures, you know, Mary's preseason, Mary's training for the last 15 yeah, it's weeks. It's not a true run. It's not a true run you at make all. make some slight changes, very slight Anyone changes. Anyone who thinks it is, left. is a bonehead. So, 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. I guess said it before, said it again. Similar deal. No one's happy with the coach, but there's bigger problems there. Mm-hmm. And I know we don't know anything about this review that Gus Gould did, but he hints as much at the same thing. It's not just the coach that needs to be looked at. Yeah. I bring up junior development because we have a bit to do with it. You look at it. The Steelers side seems to be pumping out some good players, but they're not getting enough out of the flip side of it, the dragon side of it. They're not converting enough players into first grade. They're not doing a good enough job retaining and growing, and they seem to go to market every couple of years or spend up, and that's kind of hurt their salary cap in the situation they're in right now. Yeah. And then just the whole recruitment, retention, selection panel situation, surrounding your coaches with the right assistance, and, and again, probably the whole point again, four internal coaches that really haven't been that successful and a lot of jobs for the boys kind of stuff rather than doing what's best for your club at times. It's not always about keeping people within a club or giving them a job if there's a better person for the job. Spot on. Yeah, there's definitely some things that need to be worked through there. Tackle five, Cameron Smith. Retire, Broncos or Titans? What's your thought? We got no mail. Every journo thinks they know what's going on. They're all tugging each other. What do I I think? One person says it's the Titans. One person says it's Brisbane. And then you hear his own father come out and say he thinks he's going to retire. So in all honesty... If Cameron Smith's dad thinks he's going to retire, it's no shoo-in, and I doubt he'd be selling out what his son's going to be doing, but I'd be hoping that if anyone was going to be probably the most accurate, considering some of what the journos serve up, that his dad would probably be closer to the money. I have no idea. I don't have a read on this one at all. I don't even have a gut feeling on it at all. If he was to leave Melbourne, I'd rather he go to the Titans and the Broncos. In all yeah, honesty. same. Just because, and again, I'd, I'd be devastated, but not in a way of being salty. I just would love him to be with Melbourne his whole career, finish up, hopefully by winning a premiership this year and going out like just the perfect way. I'd love it to be that way. Yeah. But if he was to leave, I wouldn't want to see him go to the situation where I don't think the Broncos can even be fixed by him in 12 months. I don't think... I also think as well it's a big safety net instantly for the coaches and the coaching staff there because he's a huge upgrade. He's basically getting a coach, getting someone who can change a lot of those issues they've got. Um, but I just look at the flip side of the Titans and go, well, AJ Brimson playing the way he's playing right now for Fido, Tino, SASE, a couple of decent young players also with like Fortuaka. Put Smith in there with Fogarty and Brimson, who I think you've got your one and seven. I think they're a top eight team. Yeah. They probably don't have as much depth. But- you need an iron. Whether it's, if it's not Cameron Smith... Then I think we should be sniffing around for either Grant or Brandon Smith. Like you know that, yeah, and that's you know that Smith's either going to retire or go somewhere else. So if you don't land him or he retires, you're going after one of the other two. And I think the other big thing as well, same deal with the younger guys you've got coming through and wanting to attract players or just another big tick in the box for Gold Coast football. If they were to jag him for a season or two, it would be huge. It's yeah, we're not buying him for what he's effectively going to do on the field. It's more about basically getting an assistant coach, a leader a culture set, like just a game changer for the club in yeah. general. It'd be probably bigger than the David Fafita signing purely for the encompassing bigger. package. It'd be the biggest signing in Gold Coast Titans history. Yeah. I'd be a bigger fan of that than going to Brisbane trying to be the saviour in 12 months. Because yeah. I just don't, th- I just think the other side has so much more upside and excitement and a better story to it rather than the Broncos Look, getting I, a free think, pass, in my opinion, I think there's zero months. chance he's going to Brisbane. I just don't think that. I, I, if he's Smith. going anywhere, he's going to be with Mal Meninga. I, I, I think yeah. that's the the, the well, biggest. He's close with um, Kevy as well. I think if Kevy got that job, I don't but... know whether he's as close with Kevy as he's as with Mal. Big but Mal. I, I could be wrong. I just think the story would be better. I think they deserve a win, and that would be a big win. And 
I don't want Brisbane to really get a free out here after. I don't think we deserve one. I think I think we've earned one. Yeah. Like the way that we've rebuilt in the well, last this year, in this year uh, I think the club's on on the right track, and we are now attractive. And for the Brisbane situation, this straight away would be just a loaded gun, I reckon, to solve a lot of problems short term if they got him in. I'd rather see him at the Gold Coast if yeah. he did. My opinion is still he's going to retire, but I have again I don't anyone who says they know they're, they're kidding themselves. Mm. But I just think. If they especially go deep and potentially win, I don't think there could be a better way to go out. I hope he's priming himself right now for one last run and we can somehow jag the Premiership in this crazy-ass year. I don't the, know... The, the Premiership. Premiership. I don't know if we're a better side than the Penrith Panthers Look, Lewis, on their best day. The answer is a pineapple. It is a pineapple, bro. I don't know if the Melbourne Storm are as good a side. In the Fennickham department, I don't know where the fuck he's going. Let's put it this way, Brock. If they played Penrith peak form on their best performance on a day, I don't know if Melbourne win, but I do know one thing. If they play each other 10 times, I back Melbourne to win six or seven on a consistency basis. You have to beat the Melbourne Storm over 80 minutes. That's the sort of performance it takes to beat the Storm for the Premiership. Premiership, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I just think this has been well beaten up. Everyone's carrying on that they have an idea. But if he does go somewhere, if it's not retiring at the Storm, you know, I'd like it to be the Titans. And on the flip side, yes, I think Harry Grant's all but confirmed he's going back. You think he's got the front running. Brandon Smith's going to be available and, and talk about what clubs he'd go to. The Bulldogs have been linked at every man and his dog, pardon the pun. For him, same deal. If, even if the Bulldogs... Want him, Burton, Staines, all these names they've been linked to right now. If I'm Brandon Smith... Who wants to go? Looking there? at those two situations right now, I'd rather go play with Tino and Fafita than go to the Bulldogs right now. Exactly. That's that's not turn around in 12 months. Nope. I'd much rather go play with Brimson, Tino uh, and uh, Fafita. So, like you said, in 12 months' time, there could be a hooker available. And for right now, and we spoke about this the other week, I think there's a couple of young hookers out there short term, given the hookers you've got there and Rain, Pete, Aaron Clark, etc., that are just worth a look. I think we should keep Aaron Clark and try and develop him. They're not going to cost you The other you two, Tulu. Yeah, but I'm looking at like someone like a Tom Starling who's getting a crack now who won't be in 12 months. You could easily offer him something competitive that won't break the bank and playing time he can't get at the Raiders. Yeah. And then I look at someone like Ruben Cotter, who Jake Granville's still got 12 months to run. They've got Robson. He's one of the better young nines. If you're competing in that three-way battle, like, I just don't see the point. Someone like that you can get for 12 months, two years on a reasonable deal and see what happens. And if not, in 12 months' time, they sign Brandon Smith. He's the backup hooker. And you've got a good backup hooker. Mm. They don't need to... Well, they're not going to do it under Holbrook. They're not going to make stupid decisions like that. But I just think there's a couple options out there. If they don't get Smith, being Cameron or Brandon, uh, this year or next, that can be made right now that are just smart moves to see if they work with Fogarty and Brimson. So, there you go. And tackle six to finish us off uh, with a set of six there. The top eight, we spoke about it last week. It seems... Almost all but done, in all honesty. On the outside, we have a deadlock of four teams who are now two wins behind. So we're also, basically what we said last week, relying on people in front of you losing. Not only that, you need to win minimum three games and you need the four against to turn around. So the Sharks are the only team within reach after South massive win and four and against boost. They're now three clear with about 130 or 40 points. The two teams we spoke about, Manly and the Tigers, both lost again this week. Yep. And the Tigers have the Panthers this week. Their four and against is the closest. They're minus nine. So not only do they need to make up the two or three wins, but the Sharks are plus 30. And they've also got one game less now to do it. Yep. So they've got the Panthers. And then you've got the Dragons. They play the Titans this week, which is winnable, but it's definitely no shoe-in. 
they're minus 24 and they're four and against. But the other two, the Warriors who are making this late surge and are looking great, I, w- I wish it happened earlier, they're minus 131 from the shellackings they got early. Yeah. So they basically need a miracle and a win out. And Manly, much the same. They're now minus 90 and two behind and they don't get Tom back still. Mm. And they've lost Suley. And probably a bit of a myth and we've seen this this week. People are saying like, oh, their injuries are so bad. And yeah, they've had injuries to key players, but... Up until last week, they'd used the least amount of players within their squad than any other club, which speaks to the problem that we spoke about previously with how you spend your salary cap. They loaded up with Cherry Evans. They paid both the Trebojevic brothers. They paid heavy upgrades for Tapau and Adam Fanua Blake and Dylan Walker. And when you go top-heavy, you leave yourself open. Mm. As soon as you get injuries, you're reaching. And everyone's going, oh, but last year these guys overachieved. And yeah, they did, but is that maintainable? Clearly it's not. Yep. And the biggest one, and again, it's only been really mentioned the last week or two by the media. We said it before a ball was even kicked. There's no Farnu and there's no Coruscant. And we didn't know when Farnu was going to be back. And obviously, we're now 15 weeks in. Farnu hasn't been cited. His case, due to COVID, has obviously been delayed. And he still has a shoulder problem anyway. But the complete lack of a nine, which I thought last year, like, you know, people brought up that those two were playing pretty well. I think they were a lot bigger part of the success than what they were given credit for as compared to Tommy Turbo, who, again, is the media darling or Cherry Evans' performances. The two nines last year were huge for me. Huge. Yeah. That quality in the middle cannot be underestimated. That creates everything. That's the starting point, and they had two of them. you got a guy in Coruscant who you're watching the changes he's made to Penrith, the fact that he makes defenders both sides of the right markers accountable. He plays his... Forwards out of the ad line, he's a running threat. He's a ball-playing threat. And then they had Farnu come on, who not only had those unique traits to his ball-playing as well, but was also just a dangerous runner and a bigger body. He got out and almost played like a floating lock, and they played the dual players. He offloaded. He got himself into space. Like They just brought so much. They had both of them. This year, they have had neither. And that knock-on effect for what work they did around the ruck creates outside space, less pressure, Less attention on your halves and your Tom Trevojevic is to get in space, play square, yeah. and have well, options no good, all that. no good having two bopper props so, if you don't have a good nine. No. And again, they've laid a platform at times this year, but as far as what happens around the ruck, you don't have to be accountable really for Denny Levi unless you're on your try line and he's going to try and burrow in. Yeah. But he does not bring anywhere near what those other two nines brought. And Tom, again, we talk about money and they're saying he's worth the contract. Well, when he's playing, he is. But you need to take that into account when you sign him. There's no doubt he's worth, you know, top dollar. But if you were smart and the history they had with Brett Stewart and injuries, maybe they should have put some incentives in there just to safeguard themselves. Mm -hmm. Because this hamstring issue is becoming a real problem. And he's missed bulk football, which is another reason why when people started saying he was better than Tedesco, I thought, well, Tedesco had some injuries early. But the last few years, tell me how many games he's missed. Yeah, fair point. They've selectively rested Tedesco, yes. But the last few years, the reason he's become the premier player in the competition is because he's consistently playing football and he's been outstanding. Tom has these five or six week periods where we start to see it and then he's gone. And that's happened consistently as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm really concerned if I'm manly that I've just done this mass extension and we've had a reoccurrence multiple times of an injury that is something that generally doesn't go away. So there's some real concern there for manly moving forward. That wraps up the set of six for this week. Let's jump in to the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. 
And whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good to great seats to watch your team in the NRL Grand Final. Fingers crossed we can actually bloody go. Give them a call today. The team at Penrose Solar Centre on 1800 20 to discuss how they can make you the real winners or go to the website www.penrosolar.com.au. It's that time of year, Brock. The sun's coming back. It was nice and hot today in the Rift. Yeah. Yeah, 25, I think, after waking up to zero. Premiership. With spring on the door, we know what that happens. We get 30s in spring now. Yeah. Daylight savings is not far off. Get in touch with Jake and the crew there at Penrose Solar Centre. Power rankings, number one. I think it's pretty straightforward. The Panthers. Ten in a row. Club record. Yep. Uh, blasted the Sharks again, who still can't beat a top eight team. Got some changes this week, but also have a body or two coming back. But again, we know they've got the depth to cover it. I still think, funnily enough to say this, it's a danger game purely because just how much the Tigers hate Penrith. But Tigers are terrible. I still can't see it. So, number two, Storm. Storm. Lost no respect for that result the other night. The fact that they only... That was a sunny coast side that played. 14 points to a side that's considered a premiership threat. Away from home. Yeah, away from home in Sydney. New spine. Uh, they didn't post any points, but they cut them open a few times. They so did, yeah. Put all those uh, gun players back in. I really like Melbourne there. Number three. Uh, I've got... I've got the Roosters. Yeah, I've got the Roosters. I bumped the Roosters back up. Roosters got a few players back. They obliterated the Tigers in 20 minutes. And then this week, Cordner, Tupo, back into the side. There's going to be more troops coming in the next few weeks. Kiri will be back before finals. I just think... Bar Veron Radley, you know, I just I I just can't scrap them. No. I really can't. And last anyway, week I had Eels three, Roosters four, and yep. yeah, I made the change. I bumped Roosters up. A few of those troops back in. I just think the Roosters are going to go on a bit of a surge. Parramatta were just unconvincing, and I've got them at four. I've got them at four, and similar to what you said, from benefit of actually being able to go to that game. And we've said a lot of times when people watch TV to when you're at the ground and you can actually see things unfold yeah. from a higher level, like when we coach or when you watch a game. I was just a little bit worried, to be honest. Like people saying they've plateaued or, or whatnot, but just watching live. Well, I'll give I'll give you this. I, you know, we've seen Penrith, Canberra, Melbourne, Raiders, and Raiders. Um, sorry, and Storm <clears throat> play Penrith by far the best, um, and I would say that that Canberra would beat Parramatta based on what I saw live in both their performances. Well, the other night, everybody back, <clears throat> like the halves were fairly disjointed. There was too many set-up plays. They shift for the sake of shifting the football. They constantly pushed sideways. Mm. Like, realistically, they should have done a lot more. But looking at them, they really look like a team who is doing a heavy amount of work at the moment. They might be going through that heavy period yeah. to lay off into flat. the finals. Yeah, I... I'm wary of Parramatta at the moment. Either they are, they've dropped away with their form or they're going through a heavy phase. Well, I was about to say so to you, I'm the only sure. thing I kind of agree with you what makes me think that is I don't think they've been as physical to their middle. They haven't been. And I don't yeah. think they've been offloading. The, the bigger part of their game, which had them playing so well and looking so dangerous on those shifts early in the season, is they were so damaging through the guts and they were producing second phase offloads and pulling teams apart that when they did shift the football, they were digging the line, engaging, and those shifts actually justified and they were able to go like shot on shot like have one shot get strapped back to another edge and go again yeah the other night it just seemed laboured it was a one out carry off a slow play of the ball 
and then a fourth yeah, shift. I think they're doing a lot of work on their defence. I think Brad Arthur dropped defence 50 yeah. times in his press conferences last week. So. so for any Eels fan, don't have a meltdown saying we're saying they can't lose, but just watching live, it, it definitely didn't look too crash hot. So maybe they are going through what we've talked about in previous no, years, like in Melbourne, I, I, where they've been loaded. I'm just holding on Parramatta at the yeah. moment. I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment well, and I'll, we'll watch them over the next five weeks. The big test is coming because I'm pretty sure in the run home they play Penrith, don't they? Uh, yeah, two but, weeks. Well, South this week is definitely not going to be an easy game. Yeah, they play Penrith two weeks. They've got the Warriors who have been dishing up good efforts every single week. They've got the Panthers after that on the run home. Broncos, second last round's a good tune-up game, I'd suppose, if you want to put it that way, a good time to rest. And then they play the Tigers last round. Yeah. So the real big one... He's come round 18. How do they play against Penrith? Yeah. If Kikau's back um, and they're back to full strength and they have that clash, Battle of the West, you know they're going to go after each other. Mm. That'll be the real test where we look at Parramatta and go, they're either legit or they're not. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number five, I'll put the Raiders up. Raiders. Good luck I've had forever. Yeah, I think uh, the weekend, again, good result. A couple more players are about to come back. Starling's development at nine. The halves, you know, been all right. He's been able to rest Papali and lower his minutes the last few weeks and roll a couple of guys in. Not bad for the Raiders in that regard, and things come together quite nicely. Number six, South Sydney. Yeah, I got the Rabbitohs. I bumped them up over the Knights. Finally, a big game on the weekend. We've seen that spine click, and they absolutely shredded Yeah, mine was more that Blake Green got injured. Yeah, and that's basically what I was about to say for the next one. Newcastle, they can't catch a break. Whether no. it's hookers or halves partners, they just keep... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dropping like flies, they looked a bit rattleless on the weekend. Uh, not been able to basically split the field inside twenty attacks quite poor. If it's not a crash play, it's basically where's Ponga will put an extra man over that side of the field. So yeah, I, I know we've got a we've got a top eight final series, but really we've got a top six. Yeah, because Knights now to me they're not a premiership threat, and the Sharks Struggle just haven't been all year. No, they haven't the top eight side, so... They hold on to eighth because they've beaten, like we said, all those teams they should have beaten. Yep. Probably the only one they haven't beaten outside the eight that we saw earlier was that loss to the Tigers early doors in COVID where they fought back and then they blew it late in the game. But other than that, yeah. they've, they've done the one thing that those teams under them couldn't do. They chalked up enough of those wins to get themselves that gap. Is there a possibility that they do miss out and they're the only team, like we said, that's really within touch? Their upcoming draw, Cowboys this week, is a winnable game. Newcastle the week after, it's against the top eight side. It's a winnable game. Warriors definitely won't be a pushover, but again, it's a side outside the eight. They've been winning those, and then they finish off with the Roosters, who I'm sure are going to want to be humming come round 19 and the Raiders round 20. So if they don't at least win one of the next three to make sure that one of the teams under them has to win minimum three and significantly improve their four and against, mm-hmm. that would be a giant capitulation by the Sharks. I can't see it happening. No. I really can't. But stranger things have happened in rugby league. The answer's a pineapple. The answer is a pineapple. So 
there you go. That wraps up the power rankings for this week. Let's jump into the reviews of the games from the weekend. And the first one we spoke of, we attended this one. Eels 14, Storm nil. Uh, pretty straightforward with all the players missing for Melbourne. Didn't think it was going to be a complicated game plan, and it wasn't. They tried to work the middle over, get some momentum, and as soon as they got any sort of quick play of the ball, they early shifted at Mitch Moses. And off the back of that, Pappenhausen, really, really dangerous, particularly the first half, got three or four half breaks off some offloads and was pushing around. And I didn't know it looked that bad. It was just an error here or there or some penalties. A um, couple of guys... No, considering who they were missing. Trying a little bit too hard, like Cooper John's mixed debut, you know, a couple of penalties, a couple of poor kicks, etc. But um, given what was on the field, to only be 14 nil in a particular second half, have a sin bin, 12, and the only thing they conceded was a penalty goal. Uh, as a Melbourne fan, I'm not disappointed at all for... for Parramatta, it goes back to more what we said. Actually seeing them live, they do look a little bit flat. So maybe they are going through a loading period like Melbourne used to do where you, you put that bit of extra work in and then you kind of peak on the back end. But more concerning was basically what we saw there was just the flow of their game. They were too busy with set-up players or too many crash plays in the middle yeah. trying to set up for a shift. And a lot of the times they were shifting, they hadn't earned the right to do it. They pushed the ball to the sideline a lot. Uh, Mitchell Moses, I don't think, has been that great since he's come back from that injury. I thought they looked, you know, a bit more fluent prior, obviously, and I don't know if his confidence is a bit hurt, but he didn't really engage the line. He threw a couple of wayward passes. And if you want a real summary of which side of the field is doing all the damage for them this year, you only need to look at the wingers. Fergo's a duck egg. Yeah. He's had a pearl, a couple of pearlers taken off him from great finishes where he's jumped in, but on the other wing. It's all left side. Jennings, Sevo, Lane, Gutherson's throwing him down there as well. Brown, like, they're a left side dominant team, whereas last year it was pretty balanced all across the field. So I think the big thing for them, their, their attack and the offloads in the middle and the damage they were doing there to open the space up for their edges definitely needs to come back. In particular, the second phase, they were the, the team that was just offloading at will, but yeah. they need to spark up that right hand edge. You've got Ryan Madison. Now back, you've got Ferguson on a duck egg. You've got Wunga Blake, who was a big-name recruit from Penrith, who scored a couple of runaways, but you've got Mitchell Moses. Yeah. All these guys are considered high-class players. You need to stoke up both sides of the field. So there's a bit to work on there, but uh, you can only beat what's in front of you. I respect Brad Arthur and what he said there, and it's the truth. Yep. They held him to a duck egg. Good for uh, you know a bit of confidence. Take uh, the two points move and, on. and you move on. Straightforward. And we're not going to talk about all the bullshit that came out after it because we addressed that. Pretty much before, but uh, yeah, a few people got on the page about our Sevo comments. It wasn't more towards the milking; it was more just towards his yardage and not liking contact. Yeah, um, you know, I, again, brought up last week why Ferguson may not have the tries and may not make the errors. He runs like a madman in yardage, and he'll have twenty carries everywhere. He can treat himself like a front rower. The only time you see Sevo lining up realistically, running as hard as he can, is when he's got a sniff of the the chalk. Um, occasionally he'll bring one back when he's got a bit of space and he can isolate a half, but you want real respect to me with the player that he is. He should be having minimum 15 carries with that frame mm-hmm. in yardage and just creating havoc because there's no possible fucking way you slow him down if he wants to carry to his full potential in yardage. He could be absolutely anything. Agree. But yeah, he no, does enjoy, whether people like it or not. We said it last week. Feigning a bit injury or having to lay down here or there or, you know, he yeah. doesn't seem to enjoy contact. So, there you go. Panther Sharkies, what do you say about this one? It's another top eight team and another loss. And Sharkies it, are pretenders, that's what I'd say. It was it. done very, very early. It was summed up when Braden Trindle was carried into the trial on like a handbag by Kikau. 
who if it wasn't going to be Johnson, it was going to be Trindle, it was going to be anybody, uh, but straight away. And then Matt Moylan. We've said it a million times over the last couple of years that he's not a half, and he definitely shouldn't be a half, not because of the ball playing thing, the creativity or the ball running. The bloke can't tackle. He's also a bad defender, yeah. And Reese Martin absolutely looked like an Australian back row. I'm not knocking him. He's a good player, no doubt about it, but he absolutely ran circles around Matt Moylan. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, they got him on both it edges. Good. And the thing for the Sharks, people have been trying to figure this out all year. Are they a good team? Are they a bad team? I don't think they're a bad team, but I think they're a one-way team. They're good when they attack and they've got momentum when they've got the ball. They generate ruck speed. They get good momentum from their bench. They've got a crafty nine. You know, you've got Johnson on that right edge in particular, Ramian. They're all very dangerous attacking players. They can break tackles. They can offload. They can do everything with the ball. Great finisher in Katoa, Muli Taylor, etc. Defensively, they're horrid. They don't win any contact. They don't hold the middle. Guys like Woods are lazy around the ruck. They don't stick in their contact. They don't work to get into the ground. Like Talakai, who's been another powerhouse the last few weeks, he missed seven tackles the other night, and he's out this week for Nakora. Not from a lack of trying, but defensively, as individuals and as a group, systematically, their defense is horrible. Yep. Um, and you can't play one-way football. That'll work again against the bottom eight sides. But just about anybody in the top eight, if you defend the way the Sharkies defend, you're going to need to score 30, 40 points every week. It's not going to hold up. It's not, my friend. And the one who I've got to give rap to him, we've done it a few times this year, Josh Dugan's played really well. He's playing well, yeah. Josh Dugan, pre-season, I thought had lost the plot, was trying to get himself medically retired, went to multiple doctors. I thought, he's done. I don't know whether he's just finally feeling good or Morris has got him in a good headspace or he's just accepted the fact that he's going to have to play the next few years so he may as well make the best of it. But he, he's made a real fist uh, of his, his form this year. He's running the ball. His error count's down. Like he's, he's literally... He's been really good for the Sharks. So, good on him. Good football. But on the Panthers side of things, good they, they were great. All around the field again. Yep. You can wrap those middles. You can wrap Martin, and he's just got an extension. Yo, Fisher-Harris, all those guys again. I think the big one I have to take a bit of plaudits for is I pushed really hard for Luai to play elsewhere. But um, with time, he showed his ability. I never questioned that he was a first grader. I just thought maybe defensively, and what he offered would be better from the back of the field to get Burton to the side, but he's proven uh, that that left edge, probably more so, is the most dangerous edge. And the more confident he's gotten, the better his combinations have got there. We're seeing better signs from him. He's playing square. He's engaging. His pass selection has been outstanding. The only question I have is him and kick out together at times can be a bit of an issue defensively, but that's gotten yeah. better. Um, and his kicking game, his short kicking game in particular, not his long kicking game, his short kicking game is outstanding. Mm. So... He certainly proved me wrong in that regard, and I think he is the right option now moving forward. I, that doesn't mean I don't have the high opinion of Burton, but he had to play this level of football to me to keep Matt Burton out, and full credit to him for doing so. Yeah, he's, he's been playing real well. So I, I could wrap all the Panthers. As a whole, they've been great. They'll lose Kikau. They'll lose Coruscant or a calf strain come up Tigers this week, so we'll see how that works out for them. Dragons, Broncos. Yeah, fast start. Soft crash in under the post, not moving off their line again. Norman cuts back on the inside. No one ties in. At 12, zip, it's another one of these games where you go, it could be anything. But as has been the case with the Dragons, not the Broncos. Broncos, poor starts or poor finishes to games. The Broncos have jumped out to four or five leads in the last 10 weeks and blown them. Yeah. We've seen 16 nil leads blown. We've seen a 12 nil lead and this one blown. Uh, I didn't think they were particularly impressive. I thought the Broncos, again, showed some effort but fell short again. Yeah, when you're winners, you're winners, and when you lose, you're losers. And at the moment, the Dragons certainly aren't winners, but they're 
a lot more used to winning than what the Broncos are. And when push came to shove, the Dragons just knew how to get it done at the back end of the game, and the Broncos didn't. Well, the big thing here. And the here, fact that they just got jumped, like like you said, yeah, ten or twelve nil or whatever it was. It just when you're a losing team, you've won what one of your last twelve or whatever it is. It's always going to make it really, really difficult to to win games when you go into a hole like that. I was just blown away how quickly they gave the lead back. Yeah, that, and then, that too. You but know, that still they scored late. Score points is Ramalalo, who's been great the last few weeks, and the real difference in the end was penalty goals. Yeah, Lomax took three penalty goals, which is the only difference. They scored the same amount of tries. Yeah, but the old Wayne Bennett if theory. Tony two was an absolute. Perler. And I'll bring this back again. If there's two guys that have certainly improved right now to be top-line centres, Zach Lomax in the last eight, ten weeks has been outstanding. His yeah. all-round game is incredible. Staggs is pure power. Yeah. Absolute pure power. But I've still got to bring it up. He didn't make any blunders the other night, but defensively, he can absolutely shit the bed there. He's proven that in some of those other games. And I will defend him in the sense that their team as a whole doesn't defend well. So a lot of times... It's not helping when there's momentum or they're already short and pressured and he doesn't have help from the inside. But if he can sort that side of the ball out, in attack, he is unstoppable. Yeah. There is no one as physical, as powerful, close to the line, all those things. Can throw a man on the ground, get outside him, can offload. That side of the ball is sorted. Freak. But his actual defensive reads as a centre and his decision-making, once that gets ticked, he's a shoe in to play rep football. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are throwing his name up there right now. And we've got a few coming through now. Um, I guess these rule changes have sort of flipped that narrative that we had a few years ago where we said the wing was more important than the centre. The centre's been brought back in, I reckon. Yeah. More so with more ball and play and a bit more fatigue and getting earlier ball out there. Like we've seen good signs from Bradman Best. We've seen Lomax starting to show some of his potential. There is legitimately some good centres coming to the game right now. Absolutely. So, good signs there. For the Broncos, Tommy did. Outstanding. Tough little bugger. Best game in first grade, I reckon. Absolute tough little bastard. Carrigan tries hard as always, and I'll give a rap to poor little Kloon. Kloon held on for dear life to Dave Feeder multiple times. For Feeder looked like he was going in for a media a couple of times, but... Yeah, uh, you can't knock him for not getting his body in front. He's a tough little bastard, Kloon. Does his job. Got him on the minimum wage, so they're certainly getting value there, that's for sure. But, yeah, they got the win. They're a mathematical chance. Why? Highly unlikely, I'd say. Raiders, Titans, 36-16s, you know, what do you say about this one? You blokes are missing troops, but I think they're still playing tough. I know the, the scoreline's not pretty, but they certainly don't give up. Yeah, they're trying hard. Uh, no Proctor, no Arrow, no Copley. Uh, Taylor pulls out before the game, which I thought was a good thing because I really wanted to see Tanner Boyd start and play a full game, but just confirmed again week on, week off what Myers had already told me. Fogarty is definitely the man to stay in the halves. And AJ Brimson is definitely a one. Brimson was outstanding. I think young back rowers, but I think there's some promise in those guys. Again, when you look at the missed tackles or some of the reads, your hip graves, your Fomores in the games he's played, Stone. There's a lot of work to be done there. But again, you bring Fafita next year. You bring Tino. Is Tino on edge? Is he a middle with Fotuaka? How they end up playing that? You bring some of those guys in again and just make your group better as a whole. Um, you're going to improve naturally in those areas. But I think that there's definitely not a lack of effort in some of the younger guys for the Gold Coast Titans. No, they're trying hard, man. Trying really hard. Campbell is too good. Yeah, and I think, you know, <clears throat> they conceded the first points. They stay in the arm wrestle. I think the only thing that would disappoint 
Holbrook is just more the way the tries happen. Like that, that left side rap play, I thought was a nice play. It was very delayed and late, and yeah, it was nice. Stripped him of numbers, but the other one where Jack White and just cuts back inside hip grave and the soft crash over try Starling from dummy half, like that, those few things there, like they're ones you look at and go, like, really, we we can't be conceding those. No, so Raiders blew it out and a couple of late consolation tries, but the one thing everyone obviously took out of this game was Big Papa running down poor Jamal. Yeah, good play off the tap. You know, playing with a bunch of energy as he has done since he's been in first grade. He's all effort all week and must give a rap to him. From a guy that was their junior and Australian schoolboy to be being pushed out, even though I thought he's a really good player and multiple years in cup and winning cup player of the years, he captained the side. So mm. that shows what Holbrook thinks of Jamal Fogarty clearly. Yeah. And what he brings to that group. He's earned that right. Because uh, he's been outstanding. But big papa, shorter stint and uh, he rested him a little bit last week. But when he was on the field, he was devastating. Absolutely, yeah. Best forward on the field. Mm. He just hard to tackle, gets a quick play of the ball, good feet, can pass, can offload. He's got it all, big plopper. Yeah. Uh, good job by the starting props who filled in to Pine, Sutton, Starling, like we said, continues to press his case there and do really good things. And Jack, obviously, very dangerous on that left-hand edge. So, yeah. Roosters, Tigers, 38-16. It was done in 20 minutes. Um, 20 zip, and she was all over. I know a lot of people... I spoke to a guy I worked with today going, hold on a minute, we got back to 2012. I'm like, I know you did. But they had one or two injuries, a couple of little changes, a bit of a flat spot. I had no doubt they were going to kick back into gear, and uh, they did. You know, little got that pretty soft crash in, and then they went down and scored again. Benji threw a nice pass, but the first 20 minutes just kind of summed up the Tigers and where they're at, really. Um, and then to hear murmurs, we both heard murmurs of this, which I thought was insane, that, you know, maybe he's too hard on the group and there was a bit of pressure around Madge's position moving forward. Like, they're just stuck in a clusterfuck of a situation where someone like Mick Potter, who got knifed a couple of years ago after trying to do all the right things, was involved in an article basically pointing to the fact of what we've mentioned a few times, that there's a lot of things working against you. But one thing you certainly don't need is if the board are buying into players and other guys that are like, oh, things are too hard. Like, blokes are saying that. They shouldn't beat your club. They're trying to change that soft nature of the club. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, need to be starting to be part of the solution, not the problem. Yeah. You can't it's complain not, every 12 months. Oh, I don't right, like man. this coach or this guy's too hard on me. And when this... is the club hierarchy going to come down and say, listen, the coach is staying, you're going to change, or you can find another club? Mm. And even the hierarchy themselves, they've changed like they're under as well. They've had Kelly Egan. We've now got Adam Hardigan. There's been... Prior to that, we've had board changes. We had Marina go. Now we've got Lee Hadjipentalis, who's, you know, from Brian's. Like They've had more changes in all levels of that club, and there's obviously the infighting, which we've mentioned before. I don't, well. Yeah, I don't, the issue I don't think is a football department. Uh, the issue is what surrounds it and the impact that has on the decisions made within the football department. That would be my, t- my take on it. I really thought it was a good insight. I sent you that article about Mick Potter and what he had to say because he's not vindictive at all, but he just basically summed up that even when he initially got the job, well, people, he said they should be him. hanging on to Madge. And he was basically saying, well, you know, I kind of thought people were a bit and, nuts. But, but and again, even when that's that's mentioned, like the whole Madge thing, like he's under pressure, okay, so who's coming in to do that job? Exactly. And I know, again, we keeps getting brought up, well, Ivan left us in a mess. I'm like, well, no offence. They had some free money at the start of this season. I thought they sport, spent that poorly as well. Mm. Luciano's worked out well, but they paid Joey Leilu a huge coin. And paid almost seven hundred and fifty thousand for a guy in Adam Dewey who they already had. They bought him back for almost three times the price. Yeah. To play fullback and twelve months later now they're talking about buying out a car. 
playing him as a fullback and moving Dewey into play five eight. Well, you want to talk about mismanaging money? I, I would not be. I would not be signings. playing um, Car to play fullback. No, nah, not a chance. Neither. And I, I'm not defending a couple of those signings, but again, uh, you want to talk about fixing the problem? Making moves like that aren't fixing your problem. You're keeping yourself in that cycle. You'll be free of a couple of those players in 12 months' time or so, and you need to keep trying to change. But if that's the way you're going to spend your money, you're not getting out of that hole. Yep, no argument. Staying in that hole. But, yeah, I just think the, the start was poor. The Roosters, Drew Hutchison, Flanagan after being Do they, do they need a winger as well? Like, it sure. seems like they want to get out of car, but do they need a winger? Like, really Not Loom has been as, as good as anyone in the comp. Mate, as far as tackle breaks, yardage finishing, I'd, you don't need a winger. For him. Oh. And the other thing I didn't get as well, they talked swap deals with Melbourne. They honestly thought it was a fair deal. Well, if, I'm the, if I'm the Tigers, I'm trying to go and get Alex Johnson. I just couldn't believe the comments there. There was two swap deals offered. Melbourne because said... Because Alex Johnson can play one and yeah. wing, and you're getting for less than that. Okay? Value for money. That's why the Cowboys are looking to get him. Mm. They get an option for wing and fullback around having Hamisho and, and Holmes, Holmes yeah. and you've got a bit of versatility if you've got injuries or whatever you want to play. But they were talking... Melbourne said, well, Melbourne have got him on a contract, and I've said this at the start of the year. They're happy to let him go, but they've still got him for another year, and they'll do it for a swap. And they want a player, that's So right. they said, all right, we'll take Tommy Talao. And they're like, what, you want one of our best young players? Like, what, you want an international winger? Mm. That's not fair. And then they come back and go, what about Harry Grant? I'm like, really? You want a spine player for a winger? Like, you want I'd, to talk about I'd what's fair? Yeah, but you want to take what, what's fair, like to think that, oh, well, we can't give you Tommy Talao. Yeah. You're asking for an international, a finished product who's only 25. Yeah. They're asking you for a 20-year-old who we think's going to be a good player, and he showed some good signs, but don't act like that's highway robbery. Really and then they come back to the table and go, well, what about Harry Grant? What, what can we do for Harry Grant? Yeah. Like, well, you're going to have to offer a fair bit to get Harry Grant. See what we can do, develop one. Mm. But if you want Harry Grant, what, like, crossed. It's going to take a fair fair bit of a trade if you were going to pry him out of there. Yeah. You're not going to do Tommy Talao for Harry Grant, are you? No. <laughs> Thought no. that was quite interesting, but yeah, back to the game. Roosters, a uh, couple of players back in. The Morris has had an absolute field day. Manu, his couple of touches, just ridiculous. Skipping across, correct numbers, the flick pass. He had a field day. Teddy was busy, hands all over the ball. I know a lot of people again saying he hasn't been playing his best football. He's basically been playing a lot more first and second receiver and just helping out. Flanagan, Hutchison, both solid. I think just yeah, all that. And getting Jared back, Tokiaho back, they laid the platform. Sutili Tupanua's development, he's been great for the Roosters. And Cordner and Tupo back, Kiri in a couple of weeks, uh, if they can keep everybody on. Incorporate Sonny Bill into a, a minimal role off the bench just to play 20, 25 minutes, make an impact offload. They're right in the mix come finals time. Absolutely. At the moment, it's just finish top four and get all your players back. Yep. Roll on in, baby, for the four-week comp. South Manly, 56-16. One word, embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Eight minutes in, they looked like they were winning. Like the yardage, they were rolling pretty well. A couple of late inclusions, you could kind of get the feeling that they knew their season was on the line, but I did not expect it to oh, just implode. unfold into what it did. Oh, implosion. I had no words for it. 38 nil at half time. Yeah, crazy. It was 20 nil after 16 minutes. Uh, but it was just possession. It wasn't that there was such a massive difference between the two teams. They uh, just man. possession and they just... They really, really couldn't hang on nah. offensively. They look like, again, like I said, they were getting the upper hand slightly. And then the one set, they got a little bit of momentum to the middle of the ruck. They were wide straight away and their edges just crumbled. Yeah. Their edge defense was horrible. They pulled them apart. They were dangerous on the left. They were dangerous on the right. 
Campbell Graham bagged a double. Johnston got a double before he got KO'd 16 minutes in. And watching Reynolds kick from the sideline was just like watching a replay of a golf swing. Unbelievable. It was prime. He hit the same thing four times in a row. And I don't know if anyone saw it the other week. It was after the game, just one of those little Fox clips or moments. They had Adam Reynolds talk through his kicking routine. And you were a kicker. Yeah. And I kicked for a bit. I didn't kick for as long as you did. And you talk to people, they've got a routine. But I don't think I've ever heard something more meticulous or insane. He was talking about that custom kicking tee he's got that he's made out of a cone and these grooves, the ball, and the Steeden has to face this way and the outline or this line here and that line on the edge have to sit to the outside post and I put my finger on where the pump goes in and that has to sit on this tooth and I look at this E when I get my foot. Like He just went through this process and I was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. I know some goal kickers or blokes that have got a routine. I had a, little, a lot of things like that. Like I like the laces in a certain yeah. position. The tee had to sit in a certain position. Um, I laid it on the tee lined up with a certain post. Yeah. Just because you do so much work and you just, you, you know, you begin to know that if you go through your, your swing, and I call it a swing because it is essentially yeah, it is. a swing. It's a technique. If you go through it correctly, you know what, you're going to be able to predict You know what it feels result. like too. Yeah. Um, I used to do a lot of stuff where I'd run. I'd run 100. And then come back and kick, kick trying to kick under fatigue to replicate yeah, the in game stuff. Um, because that's where it becomes hard. Like if you go down the park and you kick with your mates, yeah. like it's fairly easy because you're um, in game, you could have been busting your ass. And yeah, you've well, got to but I was, I was a middle, I was a middle playing full games. Like yeah. at schoolboy level, you're playing 60 at lock or in you know SG ball, Harrow Matt's games, they're 35s or 30s. So you're blowing, you yeah. know, like once you, you need to, to focus and bring your heart rate down and. Settle yourself, and yeah. I, I was similar to you. Mine got taken off me 15, 16 for a similar reason because in reps, they generally basically said if you're a middle or an edge, any sort of forward, we don't want you goal kicking. They yeah. generally gave it to an outside back or a half. Um, but I, I generally kicked above eighty percent for most of my, you know, senior career, I guess. Mm. But yeah, but did a lot of practice. Like you, yeah. you can't kick well if you're not practicing, and it's quite clear that Reynolds has a got a fantastic routine, but b Works bloody hard at it. No, totally agree with you. And I, I think a bit of credit where credit's due here. I wasn't a big fan of the bench and thought Colin Matungi would develop over the year and that Mago needed to stay healthy. He hasn't really done so, but the last few weeks, Nichols even has been great. Colin Matungi's been absolutely outstanding. Mago's minutes damaging. Uh, Siren's developed nicely for him. And I think Tatola and Burgess have done an unheralded job, but... The best thing came out of that was from the roll-on, their spine looked the best they've looked all year. Mm. We've had games where we've said Cody looks good or Latrell had one good night or Cook really hasn't had many great games this year. But the other night, I thought they were all outstanding. But particularly with that momentum, Cook it looked as dangerous as he's looked all year. Yeah, His pass selection was great. They played with great width instantly, which is their strength. And their left side in particular with Walker, Reynolds' goal-kicking kicking game. And Latrell had one of his better games again. It's just more the fact, like we said the other week, the difference between his best and his worst at the moment is still not good enough. But his ball playing in particular from fullback, I think was mentioned on the coverage. Line break assists, try assists. Like he's been great with the ball playing side of things. It's all the effort areas that we question at the start of the year. Pushing up on the football, covering better in defense, you know, just all the small stuff, the clean up work, kick returns, just just more involvement, more volume, I guess. Yeah. But, um, it's the best shot they've fired all year. How much do we read into it? I don't know. They... It bit was, of fool's gold. Let's see how they go against Parra. And that's the thing. This weekend, I think, is a good test, and we'll get a real look at them. But 
Um, a lot of people were talking like last week, you know, they're now suddenly a premiership contender. I'm like, well, no offence, most people that were saying man, they were a premiership contender didn't see that. I thought they might be a top eight team if healthy, but we've mm. just mentioned it. Neither of the nines, no Dylan Walker, uh, you got no Tom Trevojevic, you got Sirenin on a strap knee, Thompson doesn't play, Fanua Blake comes back early, tap out off the head knock. They tried to wheel out with the best side they possibly could, but it just proves the point again. They're yeah. too top heavy, they don't have enough depth and their season's probably done. Oh, it's done. But devastating just sort of I did not expect them to come out like that. I thought they'd come out like they did against Para a few weeks ago when they needed to win or when they held on against the Raiders, but there was basically no sign of it. No. Disappointing. Warriors dogs, twenty to fourteen. The dogs now I think have lost six games by six or less. Well. Wow. And they keep losing games where they've got control, they've kind of got that lead. The only real closeout I can think of was Losers the, lose, don't they? The Newcastle job, but they just they can't buy a win and the poor old Warriors, bad start and you know, a couple of no tries. one in particular of Paul Turner's that I thought definitely was a try, but they just refused to go away. And again, it's a t- low game though. Yeah. It was a low game to Wasn't watch. Great. Um the Warriors fantastic win with how many changes they had. Bulldogs, like you said, they just They blew it. They don't have win. Nah, they blew it. Gets close and they can't execute. Nikarima found a lot of love on that right-hand edge. Got through a couple of times. Set up Roger, who was 300-plus and busy as always. Tavaga's impact on that side since he's come back again. I've said it that back row when Katoa's on the field, which he wasn't this week. But him, Harris, uh, Ellie Katoa, that's a great back row for Brown and the club to move forward with next year. Murchie had one of his better games. And I mentioned Turner throughout the year. They had a young half, and they've got a couple other guys in that system that we're going to see very, very soon. But Paul Turner had big raps on him. Um, I think he, he justified some of it coming in because you're talking no reserve-grade football all year. No preparation, straight into a first-grade game. Probably the best possible team you could debut against given the circumstances of playing no cup and no under-20s, but I certainly thought he, he held himself to good account. He did. He did. He had two tries just allowed that were bloody close, but um, no, he quitted himself really well. So for the Bulldogs, I think Foreign had some good touches again. There was Jeremy Marshall Kings playing some good football, but... Uh, George Alice basically said that regardless of whether he's going to be there, it's the job's not his moving forward. He's not happy. It's not good enough. And some blokes are going to be held accountable because they keep losing games they shouldn't lose. And uh, he doesn't want the wooden spoon and they're going to do everything they can to avoid it. So haven't seen the lineups yet. We'll look at them soon. But I'm expecting some big changes this week considering his comments. Mm. And rightfully so. Yeah. And finishing off. But I mean, who's going in? Don't know. We'll see this, see this week. Yeah. Finishing off, Knights, Cows, you want to talk about a low game? Oh, well, the, the Sunday games I thought were terrible. This game was dreadful. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of goal kicking, some Just, low goal kicking in this game. Oof. Well, Adam Reynolds, they said, coming into that was 75% from the sideline, then knocked four in a row over. Pushed himself in the 80s just from the sideline. Caelan Ponga is not even kicking 70 all over the field. Mm. And I've said it multiple times the last few weeks. They need to find a real goal kicker and or he needs to settle on a technique. He keeps making little changes. He's too square. You brought it up too front on. His goal kicking's horrendous. Yeah, he's not following through. He pokes at the ball. Yeah. He's got rotation in his hips. Like, he's got a whole heap of things going on. Devastating loss after a couple of weeks with Green, and they already had enough troubles as far as spine injuries and constant changes to nine and halves combinations, but that really hurt. 
their inside 20 attack and they had plenty of opportunities was dreadful. If they weren't just trying to get one out crash in plays, it was a block just out to a shift or a long pass. Wherever Kalimpong is parked, you know that's where the football is going. Yeah. It was very laboured, let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, it was. And now Green's gone, like, yeah. you're just going to have to go back to square one. Or Crossland, Lino, one of those two probably gets the gig I think there. Lino got named. Tex Hoy had all that hype at the start of the year to be a one or a six, and I don't think he's injured. No, I don't know. So I don't know what's kind of happened or going on there. Like, I thought they might have considered playing him at six for the rest of the season. Um, the Cowboys, yeah, not much can be said. Losing Tamalolo. Their best player, I think Maguire, again, whenever he's on the field, has been their most consistent and one of their better players. But, yeah, they're a mixed bag. They really are a mixed bag. Some weeks, like yeah. last week, they fight to the absolute death. They're gone now, so. Yeah. Morgan, they're going to be very hard to track. You know, hit and miss since he's come back. I guess for him, just stay healthy for the rest of the year, get through some games. Said it that I thought with Holmes or Hammer, figure out, you know, is one of them going to be the fullback? Are they going to play on the wings? Is Drinkwater better off playing the halves with Morgan? Do they go back to Dejan Arce? Like, Don't does Clifford, they've got all these Try options. a few combos. Or they've had plenty of good players come through, but do they play with Morgan? Or is Morgan the right option moving forward now after all these injuries and dramas? Yeah, That's right. one for the new coach that has to, he has to figure out now. Yeah, They've lost Robson for the rest of the year. Cotter's going to likely get the starter. I hope get the start this week, because even though Granville's got a year left, that's not the option. But said it a few weeks ago. They just need to work through now, all their young kids, what's best for them. Correct. Um Probably the one person I've really enjoyed watching, and again, still has you know an error or a miss tackling him every now and then. He's had a horror run with injuries, but I really rate him. He's mixed down in the back row when Playing he's on the well. field and he's healthy. He plays good football, but um, yeah, for the Knights, be interesting to see if they can stay healthy. But I really think similar to you, their, their threat is gone now. I think they'll land in the finals, but I don't see them as a threat for the title at all. Agree. Agreed. All right, before we do the tips, just some quick news as far as signings and play like there hasn't been a whole lot during COVID and it's been an awkward situation but this is probably the biggest week as far as talk about anything around players and the big one's probably the Bulldogs Trent Barrett's been left uh, linked to every person as to be imagined in particular players at his ex-club now man and there's already been links to Penrith even though there was the, the hands off Charlie Staines as we know was offered a deal by Penrith but apparently they wanted to go explore their options and Penrith were happy for him to do so, the first two clubs that popped up, surprise, surprise, Bulldogs was one and the other was the Tigers. If the Tigers, that one makes more sense than trying to buy out a car, but again, yeah, that's right. you can't break the bank. Though. You can't go stupid for a guy who's played two games in the wing. No. So why I really, really rate him, you need to be smart. Yeah, uh, he's a dual, dual threat young that you can get for less. Yeah. Uh, Proven the, dual threat because we know he can play one, whereas yeah. Adokar's never played one, I don't think. He's played it through the 20s, but he was purely a ball runner. He yeah. wasn't a lot of a ball player. Um, he wasn't really developed in that mould if we talked well, about when, when. How long ago has it been since he would have put a jersey on and uh, played one? He played Sharks 20s. That would have been earlier, maybe 2013, 14, yeah. somewhere around there. But so he did finish years. up playing mostly wing, but he did play some fullback. Yeah. But his fullback style is not exactly what we'd say is the mould that you're looking for right now. Yeah. So he'd have to put a lot of work in. Um, you'd have to be fairly confident you could, you know, add things to his game or add, change some things about him if you're going to spend money. But Staines has been linked to the Tigers and the Bulldogs. I think both ways, you know, smart signing. But Penrith have also made the comment that for him, and rightfully so, they're not going to break the bank. They've made what they think is a competitive offer and they'll think that he'll make a good decision in the end and want to play with guys that he's come through and, and played with and got great friendships through and that that's the best place for his football. And 
I'd say as much as like we've said before, when everyone goes, this person should go here or go here, like you're either taking the money or do you want to play your best football? Yeah. At age 19, 20, surely you can wait a year or two and want to play in a good system and continue to learn rather than go break the bank and go somewhere where instantly it's, you know, all on you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it. I'd stay at Penrith. Me too. But the Bulldogs have been linked to everyone. He's been linked to Manishi Fanu, even though that situation's not sorted out. He's got a year to run on his contract. Corey Waddell, Jack Kazuski here at Manly. They've been linked to Brandon Smith now. They've been linked to Burton, Jack Hetherington, bloody everyone under the sun. And again, I brought the same thing up for all these people saying Burton should go to the Bulldogs. If I'm a manager, that is the one move I'm not making. You'll get big money, but for but one contract. For for what price? Are they going to get contract. enough around you earlier? Are you Correct. going to be able to deal with all the pressure? Is he going to change their situation right now? We see Kieran Foran doing plenty plenty good, despite the fact his body's breaking out. He still can't win him games. Burton doesn't need that right now. No. And who's to think that everyone brings us up? Oh, Bulldogs or Bulldogs have money. You don't think anyone else would be in the market for him? It's the only one that's brought up. Yeah. There's plenty of other teams who need a half, and I'm sure there'd be plenty of offers out there. But if he was going to leave Penrith, Bulldogs is right at the back end of my list as far as teams I'd be looking to join right now. Yep. The Bulldogs? Yeah. Yeah. Back end of it, that's for sure. Uh, Dragons, talking about the coaching thing, they've seemed to have made their first recruitment kind of move post Paul McGregor. They're linked to Christian Welch from Melbourne. They've offered him three years around a million dollars. But he's negotiating his own contract. He's played Origin. Given the sort of money that's been thrown around for some other guys, you're talking roughly three thirty a year. I don't really know if that'll get the job done. Because it was talk that Parramatta last year were talking close to five five fifty. Jesus. So, you know, given his form, where he's coming from. Well, I think Melbourne would easily match or pay similar to what the Dragons are paying. So again, if you want to go like for like, if that's the offer and I'm Welch, I'd be staying at Melbourne. What so what's the the offer's what? They reckon three years about a million bucks. So you're talking yeah, about three thirty yeah, a season. That's about right. Yeah, I think it's about right. But yeah. to go to the Dragons or stay at Melbourne, I think Melbourne would be And what are they offer. saying Dragons are offering? That's the offer. Melbourne haven't made an offer yet. Oh, right. They want to yeah. talk to him, but yeah. I think that's the first kind of negotiation he's had externally. Yeah. Last year, he had a very big offer from Parramatta and the poor bugger blew his knee up. Well, he's made it pretty clear publicly that yeah. he wants to stay. But I think for that sort of offer, I think Melbourne would go there. Three thirty is not that bad. No, you'd want you'd want significant overs to leave Melbourne because mm. Welsh should be one of those guys who goes somewhere else and it probably isn't quite as good. I think his ceiling, if you're going to pay, would be about four. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be leaving for any less nah, than that. If, but if I'm it's Welsh. similar offer for Melbourne, I'm not going. Yeah, and I, that's the thing. When I heard that, I was like, okay, that surprised me because Parramatta offered significant more wedge last year. Mm. If he didn't blow his knee out, he'd be gone. But he took the option. He realised that the you know the club's taking care of him through the twenties and a couple of those injuries and some off field opportunities and yeah that's an offer right there right now. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the Warriors they've tapped Bunty Afoa Nathaniel Roach on the shoulder. They're both out. They're still trying to push Adam Blair and Pat Herbert is a guy they're not sure of just yet. But for the right price, I like Pat Herbert. I'd probably keep Herbert around mm. in your squad. But they're making moves already, as we know. The Tigers, we talked about those swap deals before, but also talk that Reynolds is linked to Wigan and Bevan French wants to head back over here. So I guess that would be a win for them to offload that massive contract a year early mm. if they could get that. And uh, Kevin Proctor, as we know last week, linked to the Tigers, likely to be an offer there. So he looks like he's got an option Good. of at least somewhere that's interested. He can have him. But they're also saying that comes back to salary cap. So that'll be an interesting one. Num, 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 num. Penner, if we mentioned before, offered a three-year extension, 
Stephen Crichton, decent offer. It looks like he's going to be locked in. Staines, they've made an offer despite the fact he stepped out there confident they'll be able to get that deal done. Uh, and Reese Martin extended for an extra two years on top of the year he's got now. And last piece, Cowboys, 12 months, not even gone. Already want to get rid of Isan Masters. Oh, that doesn't so, surprise me. They signed him four years. A I big believe upgraded deal on what he had. Um, he's really gone backwards. Yep. I was a big fan the first season. Thought mm. it had some room for growth and mm. things hit the skids real quick. So Sure did. Funny how that changes and they're still linked to Alex Johnston as well. So there hasn't been much. Uh, like we said, along the way there's been some re-signings and not really any big moves, but the last two or three weeks we're getting to the back end. There's been a lot flying around as far as contracts and blokes possibly heading to certain clubs. But let's do our tips box head last week. You got seven. The only game we were different on was the Tigers-Roosters. We obviously didn't know about lineups. So I stuck with the Roosters, you went the Tigers, and I got the full eight. So. Yeah, well, and then later in the week, you flipped. I ended up picking the perfect round, and you flipped and took Tigers. So Yeah, confidence I did, but only for one point. Yeah, A lot of people did, but uh, you're now on 89, I'm on 88, so we're back to within one. As we look at the lineups for this week, and I've got to get up the betting odds as well, so we can have a crack there. But Parramatta-South is the first game on Thursday night for Parramatta. The only change, Andrew Davey comes on the bench for the suspended Marada near Corey for South. Gagai is back into the centres. Alex Johnson, though, is out with a head knock. And Corey Allen comes under the wing. Liam Knight comes back onto the bench in place of Kurt Dillon. <clears throat> what do you think here? Thursday uh, night clash. But South need to convince me. Beat someone above you. Uh, that was a bit of fool's gold, I think, last week, so I'll stick with Para. Yep. I'm going to have a dabble on South. All the Again, best, yeah. Prove it to me. Uh, I'm with you. Pretty much a bit of fool's gold, but I just think Para have been a little bit flat. Hopefully they respond, but if they are a little bit flat and shift the ball too much and don't want to fight to the middle like they have the last couple of weeks, then they might get upset by South. But I think this will be a close game and a good game of football, but... I'm with you. They definitely need to prove a point, but I, I don't know. I just feel a bit of an upset coming somewhere. The Eels, $1.42, 285 for South Sydney. Minus six is the line in this one. Dragons-Titans is the early Friday game for the Dragons. Jackson Ford returns along with Billy Britton to replace Corbin Sims and Paul Vaughan, who are out of the side. And on the Titans side, Ash Taylor is back in the halves. Boyd goes back to the reserves. Peachy starts at lock with Fotoaka suspended. Aaron Clark's back on the bench. Mitch Rain replaces Peets and both for more starts in the back row. Hipgrave goes back to the bench and Anthony Don has a chance to return. With Fotoaka now, along with some of those other guys, I have to go the Dragons. I'll go Dragons. No confidence if you, if you guys fight the way that you have been fighting, though, and the Dragons are hot and cold like they were, they could still get rolled. Mm, but, but Dean Young, I like Dean Young's talking about consistency. and well, We're about to see this week, aren't we? Yeah. This is a game they should You guys be. are missing some troops, and if they're serious, they should probably they should get the be. upper hand. But yeah, yeah Moe's a big out. But the odds on this one, the Dragons $1.30, dollar thirty, three fifty for the Titans, minus eight and a half is the line there. Roosters Broncos, this could be a dead set cricket score. Boyd Cordner is back, Daniel Tupo is back, good timing, replacing Ikavalu. Uh, and Daniel Fafita goes off the bench. Nat Butcher Drops back to the bench on the other side. Milford's out. Sean O'Sullivan's going to play 5-8. First game of the year after an ACL. Corey Pakes at hooker because Isaac Luke is suspended and Brody Croft is on the bench. So assuming he's going to be cover for halves and nine. But you look at this side now. Both the Morrises back with Manu, Tupo, Tedesco. Jared's back with Toki Aho. Boyd Cordner's in with Satili Tupanu who's been playing some great football. Crichton's going to come back in a few weeks' time. 
Um, and I think Flanagan and Hutchison did a good job last week. Brisbane are an they absolute did, yeah. basket case. Regardless of anything that's happened this week, I don't see one of these resurgent games where they break out and suddenly decide they're going to... Uh, I will be tipping the Roosters. And you couldn't pay me to bet on this one because I haven't seen the odds yet, but I'm sure they're going to be disgusting. A dollar oh four. Now the Roosters eleven dollars for the Broncos. That's twenty over the five and a half start. That's huge. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be going anywhere. In the words of Donald Trump, that start huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, incredible. Yeah, all right. Uh, Warriors Newcastle. I think this is a tough one for the Warriors. You've got Harris Tavita returning after a week off of that head knock. Paul Turner's out of the side. Alessia Katoa. Is back in the second row. Papali drops to the reserves. And for Newcastle, Mason Lino has been selected to play in the halves up against his old club. And he will likely take over the goal kicking as well. Stafford Tower is named despite failing a head knock assessment last week. So what do you think about this one, Brock? Scully Park and Tamworth, they're going back to say thank you. I reckon there might be a bit of an emotion and a possible upset here. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip the Warriors. And I'm, I'm on the same boat. I think... Katoa back in, those couple of guys. Lino into the halves. It's another combination the change there. so unconvincing last week. Green now out. And the Warriors are just so gritty. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just think the fact that this is the place that gave them the uh, the first stop during COVID and yeah. set them all up. Um, I they... also like daytime game. Yeah. I'm with you there. Best time for them to be playing their football, the early game. So $3.10 outside of value there for us, if you like that. Newcastle, $1.36, six and a half. I'll have a crack on that on the punters, I reckon. Yeah, I don't mind that. That's good. I might uh, have a look at that in a multi with one or two others, but nothing crazy. But yeah, I just, I really do think there's a possibility of a good upset there, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't even know if you consider an upset. This should, I thought that would be a bit closer, to be honest, market-wise. Sharks up against the Cowboys, the mid-Saturday uh, the mid game. As far as changes there, and I absolutely love this from... Uh, Johnny Morris, he's dropped Matt Moylan. Well, Matty Moylan was disgraceful. <laughs> Connor Tracy's been looking for an opportunity. He was great at South. He has great junior pedigree. He's gone back to the Sharks, his junior club, and he's been having a red-hot crack off the bench. And uh, Rightfully so. Clearly, he thinks he's more likely to get in front. So he's been picked in the halves alongside Sean Johnson. And Braden Trindle's out of the side due to that as well. Hamlin Ueli starts. Toby Rudolph's to lock. Sorensen's back to the bench. And Britton Nakora. Has had to wait almost a month now with Talakai having his first kind of poor game defensively. He stays on the bench, but same deal for him. You know, find your four. He played for New Zealand last year. He's been flat as a tape this year. Um, here's a chance to come back on the side and prove a point. On the flip side, Cowboys. Holmes returns from an ankle injury. He's on the wing. Murray Tuolagi comes into the centres. Hammer and Tom Apicek are both out of the side. Dejan Arcee is back into the halves for their 7,000th half combination. Ben Hampton's out. Molo starts at prop with McGrath moving back to lock for Tarbalolo and Tim Gilbert is added to the bench. Sharks. Yeah. Because they just beat everyone that's below them. Lots of changes. It's up in Sydney. The daytime travel. Stick with the Sharks. And the odds on that one, $1.25, for the Cowboys. Minus 10.5 is the line there. And things wrap up. Panthers-Tigers, Saturday night. Panthers Stadium. Viliami Kikau, as we know, has been suspended and Coruscant's out with a calf injury. So, Leota, Moses Leota, gets a start at prop. Fisher-Harris moves to lock. Isaiah Yo to an edge. Billy Burns comes onto the bench. Mitch Kenny at dummy half. And Brian Toto makes his comeback from an ankle injury on the wing with Brent Naden shifting to the centres. And Tyron May is back to the bench. Good. Dane Laurie 
out of the 18. And on the Tigers' side, Harry Grant back very early from that knee injury. Little drops to the bench. Josh Reynolds is dropped. Alex Twile starts at lock. Eisenhuth goes back to the bench. McKaylee starts at prop. Russell Packers dropped all together. And Sean Bloor's back on the bench. It's going to be a good game. They just hate each other. Uh, Penrith. I'll stick with the Panthers as well, being at home. And uh, even with those changes and maybe, you know, things maybe not being as smooth with having Kenny at nine. Uh, I think Tigers sort of spooked them last time a little bit. Yeah. Panthers, so they'll be ready, the pennies. I think losing half is a big blow, though. I really do. Oh, definitely it is. But yeah, if they're flat definitely. at all, I'm sure they'll be plenty of emotion yeah, like from the Tigers. Been unbelievable. So, yeah, they got to be ready for this one because if they come a bit flat, I'm sure the Tigers are going to come after them. They'll accommodate them. Yep. Because uh, they certainly hate each other as of uh, recent And really, it's time. last chance alone for the Tigers. Yeah, 100%. $1.18 for the Panthers, $5 for the Tigers, minus 13.5 is the line there. Storm. Up against Manly and a swag of players back in for Melbourne. Cameron Smith's been named at nine. Munster back in the halves along with Jerome Hughes. Brandon Smith obviously out with that broken jaw. Riley Jacks, Cooper John's making way. Jesse Bromwich is back after a game suspended, pushing Tino back to the bench. Kenny Bromwich is out with a calf injury, so Tommy Eisenhuth gets a start. Marion Seve's on the wing. Shandor Earl is back to the bench, and Albert Vette is to the reserves. And for Manly, uh, Tavita Funa. Actually named at fullback this week. Garrick back on the wing. Gazuski at centre with Suli out for the season. Tapau starts with Paseca back to the bench. Thompson back in the back row with Dell to the bench. And I'm sure there'll be a late change made for Albert Hopper-Wide. He's named in 18. Looking at that back line, I don't think Funa or Garrick are your answer at fullback. I think you've got to drop one of them and give Still Albert a crack. Plenty. You've got nothing to lose, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Storm, but wouldn't be surprised to see a late debut there for Albert Hoppawade in the market for that one. Storm $1.2475 for the Eagles, minus 12.5. The line in the last game of the round. Raiders up against the Doggies. Oof. They've got Papali and Dunamis Louie back at prop. Uh, Hudson Young returns to the starting side after coming to the bench last week. Joe Tapine and Sutton revert back to the bench. Harawira Naira is out of the side. Not sure if that's for injury or not. He's no, he's not named in the squad, so gonna have to assume that would be the case. Didn't hear anything. And Matt Tomoka to make a debut from the bench. Another one of these really good kids from their flag system. Uh, they had a great side last year with him, Harley Smith Shields, and a couple of others uh, who were really, really good and played some cup football and showed their wares. Not sure how much time he gets. I'm sure it'll depend on how the game goes up against the Bulldogs. But we said he wanted to make changes. Here you go, Luke Thompson, the big money boy, gone. Out of the side. Well. Jack Cogger, Remus Smith, uh, Senna, Tim Laffey, and bench players Avarillo and Soasso Sue, they're all out of the side. So he's made about six changes there, George Alice. Good on him. Stuck to his word. Lachlan Lewis is back at halfback. Marcelo Montoya's in the centres. Dallin Zalesniak's back on the wing. Dylan Napa's back from suspension at prop. Tolman to lock. Jackson back on an edge. Matt Dory back to the bench. And runoff to Amaga and Dean Britt. Come in for a game despite all those changes. I'll be sticking with the Raiders, but good on George Alice for yeah, I'm with you. at least heeding his word and the odds on this one. A dollar eleven for the Raiders, six fifty for the Bulldogs, minus seventeen and a half is a line. If they put in the sort of fight they've been putting in, I think that line's kind of generous. Uh, I'm not saying the Raiders couldn't dust them, but I shan't be flirting with the it. The dogs certainly show some fight, but yeah, I wouldn't be flirting with that, but uh, as far as outside of value, I'm I'm with you. I really like the Warriors at three dollars ten. Yeah. Even six and a half start at two dollars on Labrax if you wanted a start there. I think it'll be that, that kind of game if it's anything. Yeah. 
anything else, like South or an outsider, yes. But like, would I bank on that? No. No. If I was going to have a crack, it'd be a small nibble, maybe on a one to twelve. I always bet late. I bet when I'm close. I know the yeah lineups, formal setups, the weather, yeah, anything about it. I'm stuff. similar to you, um, but yeah, I, I think nothing really stands out value wise. There's some big margins here, and it, it's been a year for it. I think COVID's really brought out the best and some of the worst and others. But if I was going to have a crack on anything this week, I might have a I don't know, maybe a tomato, a twenty dollar bill at the Warriors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm if, going to have a crack on the Warriors. If I could look for more value, it'd obviously probably be the 1 to one to 12 to boost it a bit. If you went that far, you'd get 380. So it'd be 76 bucks if you threw a 20 on it. Mm. Not sure if I'll go that far. I think the $3.10 is good enough value, but yeah, there's not much value there. But if I was going to back an outsider, that would be the one. I'm with you. Well, there you go. Um, just for anyone, there's been people loving the early podcasts. Apologize, but that's only due to work. <laughs> so. Unfortunately, uh, this is more the normal setup around work and kids and family. So yeah, back cool. to the late night stuff, but depending on shifts and things the next few weeks, where we can, you know, I know people probably prefer it earlier. We'll do our best, but at the end of the day, bad luck. When you got JOBs, <laughs> bad luck. It's all, all have to do what we can do. But yeah, I had a few people say they prefer the early ones. Yeah, just, and that's, that's fine. Uh, when no, it's my full time job, I'll, I'll, I'll cater for everyone else. Just clarifying, that's all. So, but however, that was the reason. I need to make that bread. Oh, if only we could. Otherwise, I'd do multiple a week. Oh, yeah, I'd, do it. I'd do it every day. But, uh, yeah, just clarifying that. I know a few people love it, but, yeah, unfortunately, not going to be Understand, the... mate. Not going to be the way for it, I'm not just sitting in front of a fucking computer desk all day If I could bus, get man. paid to impersonate Buzz and Hoops and other people and just talk football, I'd be fucking stoked. We'd do three or four a week. I'd happily finally do some video content and some other bits and pieces because we'd have enough time to be together constantly and work through it. But unfortunately, it's not the case. The answer, Brock, is a pineapple. In the fair income department, that'll do us tonight. Yes, and going to finish off with Laurie because he finishes off all the Fox shows and talks about the odds. With and his Laurie's, wig. You know, better the week. My hair's looked the same for the last six years. How good is it, though? He looks like Ernie. From Burton Ernie, with the hair at the front, it just doesn't move. Yeah. It's outstanding. Looks like a broom. I love it. It's great. There you go. Another week in the books. We're on the home stretch now, the last five rounds before we head into finals in COVID times. Top eight looks all but done, barring a miracle. Top four basically seems settled, bar fourth position. Seems like it's a shootout between Roosters and Raiders, who have a head-to-head. South's have a very slim chance, but I highly doubt uh, they'll be jagging that spot. But, yeah, we'll have to see how things unfold in the next few weeks. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.